It's another day in your life. I know this because I'm with you for every detailed nuance you choose to acknowledge or ignore. I'm not really anyone that's special or important. I'm a bit boring myself, and that being said, we'll focus on you for the duration of this podcast. If you ever wondered what happens after you die, why you can't let go of your first love, why you're always choosing people who hurt you or maybe fearful you'll miss the best part of your life among the details of routine, well, that's where I come in. See, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life because you're already living it. I'm here to narrate the details of what you're doing so when you wake up or when you fall asleep, you'll know the day you lived, well, it matters. Welcome to Narratives. As you sit on the back porch, you watch the leaves in the cypress trees shift with the breeze. The scent of grass is still drifting around you, and despite how much you love that scent, it reminds you of the summers you spent mowing lawns when you were a kid, when life was easier. You can't help but find a bittersweet tone to the fragrance. Your son mowed the lawn earlier that day, and you didn't. He's a good kid. And at this current time, most likely at Barnes & Noble with his hipster girlfriend. You let out a sigh and hear the distant sound of the neighbor down the street trying to beat the sunset with his own mower. You shut your eyes with another gust of wind and hate the fact that you can't mow your own lawn anymore. You can't carry a load of laundry up the stairs without feeling that tightness in your chest. And with the lack of sleep, the headaches, the fatigue, and the distant gnawing feeling that something may be wrong with your heart, it all came to a head four weeks ago. You remember that day, don't you? When you had your first heart attack. You were downstairs near the washer and thought you stood up too fast when the flash of lights stirring in your vision didn't go away. Then it was that nausea feeling in your stomach, that uncanny feeling like you might shit yourself, and you almost did. Fifteen minutes later, you wash your hands, stagger out of the bathroom, and decide to lay down on the tile of the kitchen, since the cold shock from the tile itself was the only thing that could help you calm your mind, not your heart. Things start to go gray around that time, don't they? Grace found you on the floor, sprawled out, covered in cold sweat, and crying for your mother. She told you this in the hospital and you made her promise not to tell anyone else, especially your teenage son. You remember the way he looked at you the first time he came around the doorway of room 349 in the intensive care unit. Your baby boy, an awkward teen, reduced to a baby boy for a split second all over again. Seeing his dad in a hospital bed, weak and tired. Stop hating yourself. Your heart stopped, he understands. Despite struggling to accept your own mortality, it was even harder to watch him accept it too. Grace, she came apart afterwards. She went home and from what your son told you, cried herself to sleep in a panic when she thought he had left for the movies. Poor kid, you sigh. He refused to let you go near the mower when you got home. He took to waking up early on Saturdays, 
mowing and edging the lawn and getting things in order before you could put your shoes on, which took longer due to the stint in your heart. Grace was so quick with the laundry, since you had to slow down with any stairs in your way, she could get the clothes washed before you could start the washer. It left nothing else for you to do around the house except sit and watch cops or meander in the backyard like the old couple that live on the other side of the lot do. Hey, things aren't that bad. They really aren't. There's nothing wrong with getting old. You hate to hear that. Getting old. Your knees ache more than ever. Your back is a mess and the neighbors seem to check on you more often when you're in the front yard. You look around and the night has begun. The moon is up just beyond the Williams shed and it's bright enough to light up the back of your hands. You glance down and see the bruising from the IV is still prevalent across the top of them, along that thick vein that's dark purple now and seems to take forever to heal. It's heartbreaking, getting old. The worst part is you don't remember when it happened. The last thing you remember was being pissed off at Kevin from work who refused to listen to your proposal about the region's productivity. You grab the basket of laundry reciting what you were planning on telling that prick on Monday at the office when you stood up and your head felt light. Then four weeks fly by, mostly in a drug-induced haze mixed with lectures from doctors about how you need a lifestyle change. And that catches us up to now, doesn't it? I hate to break it to you, but you haven't been a spring chicken over the last ten years either. You sigh and agree with me as you nod your head. Somewhere between your son hitting puberty, graduating high school, starting college and getting a girlfriend that stuck around longer than a month, you somehow lost your youth. But what really hits you is what the doctor said yesterday. He looked you right in the eyes and said, If you have another heart attack, you won't survive. He didn't do that thing he usually does where he fakes a scowling expression of disapproval before breaking into a smile. No, he was serious. He was. I saw him. Dr. Morrison wasn't joking. One more and you're dead. Why haven't you told Grace yet? You shake your head. The truth is, Grace is fragile. She's always been that way. You smile to yourself as you remember the day you met her. The year after high school, when you came home from college, before dropping out entirely to work full time. She was walking out of winds after buying a roll of fabric to make another dress for her little sister when you fell over that curb and landed on your face, right in front of her. She helped stop the bleeding and after a series of apologies for the blood on her shirt, you asked her if you could take her out as a means of apology. She agreed, and it was when she handed your hat back to you, you saw her hands were shaking from how worried she was for your injuries. Now you're back in the same position. Except 30 years have passed, and if you fall too hard, you could die. That's not true. It's another heart attack that will kill you. I'm sure you could easily break your nose on the ground all over again and survive. But I digress. You're scared because you know you're always one heartbeat away from not having any more. It's like having a bomb in your chest that will eventually go off. Grace wouldn't be able to handle the stress of knowing that any time you raise your voice a little, walk too fast, or even feel a bit stressed, you could die. 
In all fairness, that's true for everyone. Don't shake your head at me like that. It's true. Everyone is one heartbeat away from death. You shrug. Fine. But your heartbeat is a bit weaker than others. And that's the truth. The moonlight shimmers off the Williams shed and for a moment, you flash back to the way the same moonlight looked off the surface of Cypress Creek when you were a boy. Camping out by the lake, right next to the creek as it ended into the crests. Where in life does time go when you realize you've grown old? You can hear Grace's car pulling up as she gets home from work and take a breath before you prepare to stand up slowly. You do, and can see the faint traces of fireflies dancing along the edge of the yard. You take a deep breath of the night and watch the light dance in the dark. Your heart feels full all of a sudden, and you smile for the first time since you got back from the hospital. The breeze is cold and tempered across your face, and it's wonderful. The truth is you're alive again. You were dead for about three minutes. I know. I was there. And when you came back, you didn't know how to process it all. It's going to take some time, but between you and me, you've got plenty of it now. You feel at peace as the sounds of the crickets begin to chime a little louder. The stars are out, and the scent of honeysuckle creeps in from the vines that crawled over the fence from the Galvan's house next door. You look at your aging hands, and instead of feeling tragic, feel deeply grateful. You're still here, on this strange planet, with your loving grace and your kind-hearted son. You decide it's time to feel good and allow yourself to be older now. Life moves on, and one day, it'll stop. But not tonight. Besides, who wants to live forever? Tell Grace I said hi. I'm off for now. I'll see you later, though. Much later. The Scent of Grass and Grace was written and performed by Gabriel N. Elizondo. Music and effects provided by Epidemic Sound. For a complete list of featured songs in this episode and additional content, please visit www.gabrielnelizondo.com or click the link in the show notes. Narratives with Gabriel N. Elizondo is a Crown and Coil production. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really does help. All written content and performances are exclusive properties of Crown and Coil Productions. And thank you for being part of our story. <laughs>